In this week's Big Tech Show, we talk to the Dublin startup that wants to help big companies stop making stupid, embarrassing mistakes with their AI, such as telling people to eat rocks as part of a healthy diet. Basic definition of hallucination is say, stating something very confidently, but in fact, it's factually incorrect. This AI technology is very good at stating something very confident, mimicking human-level confidence, but then they could be factually incorrect. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. We have to hold hope that Cleo can still be found alive. We got it. We got it. Time is of the essence, and we're throwing as much as we can at this investigation. Um, one of the guys jumped in in front of me and um, and picked her up, and and I, you know, I just wanted to be absolutely sure that um, you know it certainly looked like Cleo. Bring the camera in. Come here. Come here. I got What's your name? Sarah. What's your name? And she didn't answer, and I said, "What's your name?" Um, she didn't answer again, so I asked for a third time, and then she looked at and looked at me, and she said, "My name is In the early hours of the 16th of October, a four-year-old Australian girl went missing from her family. Her name is Cleo Smith. What followed was an extensive land, sea and air search and rescue mission to locate the missing child in a remote part of Western Australia. And then we had the result we all hoped for. Cleo was located and she was safe and well. I'm Siobhan Maguire and you're listening to the Indo Daily, where today we look back on the remarkable story of Cleo Smith. On hand to talk to us about the events is Narell Towie, an Australian journalist based in Perth and journalism lecturer at Murdoch University. Narell Towie, you've reported extensively on the story of little Cleo Smith in Australia. Can you take us back to the events of October 16th and what should have been a very ordinary day? Yes, Cleo's family. Ali Smith and her stepdad, Jake, with their baby daughter, went uh, to a remote campsite about an hour north from where they live in Carnarvon. 900 kilometres north of Perth lies the laid-back coastal town of Carnarvon. Year-round, this place is absolutely beautiful. But don't let its small size fool you. This town packs a huge punch. They arrived at dusk, set up the tent, had some dinner. The kids went to sleep and then the parents joined them in the tent the tent was divided in half, um, so it had two sections. Uh, Cleo and her sister were in one section at the back of the tent and, and the mum and the, the stepfather in the front. At about half one in the morning, uh, Cleo's mum woke up. When Cleo woke up, uh, she had some water, she went back to sleep, and, and that was the last time that, that Ellie Smith saw her daughter. When she woke again at 6am, the tent was open, the zipper done all the way up to the top, higher than what a child could reach, and Cleo's mattress was bare, she was missing. The initial reaction was that 
Cleo may have wandered off on her own, but after a while, alarm bells really did start to ring, didn't they? That's right. So there was a search for for Cleo quite uh, quickly. Uh, locals that were also staying there and other other campers that were at this campsite and it was a it was a quite a remote campsite it, it didn't have a lot of facilities but everybody everybody joined in the hunt for her and after about 20 minutes uh, Ellie called called the, the police and uh, the police were coming from Carnarvon so they took about an hour to get there um actually I think it was less than that they took about they got there before seven and from that point on, uh, the start of a huge search and rescue rescue for Cleo began, involving helicopters, uh, you know, local helicopter operator uh, dedicated his time and, and, and donated his services to finding Cleo. There was boats out on the water. That, there was trackers scouring this quite dense scrubland. So the area that we're in, um, where the, the campground was located, was was quite a nice beach. But either side of that was rugged, treacherous coastline um, with cliffs and, and blowholes. So it was it was treacherous uh, terrain that, that that people were looking for Cleo. Norel, I I just wondered whether you might be able to talk us through exactly what the the area is like. I mean, the Blowhole Shacks is around seventy five kilometres north of um, the town of Carnarvon, right? Correct. So, the thing with Carnarvon is, it's a regional West Australian town. It's ten hours north of Perth, so it's Midwest. It's part of the Gascoigne region, so a lot of food growing goes on there. And, and this campsite was really a local's playground, but it was also um, quite run down. So the shacks that exist there, the 20 or so shacks, they're not legal. They've been thrown together and over time have been de- deteriorating. And because there's no planning permits or because they shouldn't exist, they've never been upgraded. So there's no there's no water. We're not clean running water. There's no electricity. It's it's really people go there as a destination. They go there with food, water supplies. There's no shops, and and it's isolated. So that's that's kind of the landscape that that the the family were camping in. But people go there because it's the bay and the beach is is turquoise water. It's a beautiful beautiful spot but unforgiving landscape either side and curtain by outback by, uh, you know, a dry, harsh uh, sort of desert type area. And was that a concern then for little Cleo that uh, had she wandered off into this um, unforgiving terrain that it would be very difficult for her to get back to the family even before any thoughts of abductions might come into the, the picture? Yes, correct. So from the beginning, there was a dual thing going on with the police. There was a, a primarily a search and rescue. So looking for Cleo, eyes on the ground, Heat-seeking equipment was was brought in, and as well was a was a police investigation into had she been abducted, had she been taken in the night. So those two investigations started simultaneously, and it got to the point after about a week where police consulted experts who said this is how far a child of that age would be able to travel uh, in the time that has passed, and we have now scaled. Or, or sorry, we have now searched that area and, and she's not here. 
So after about a week, the search and rescue operation was was halted and you know, that's when the real criminal investigation began. And that was when police said, we are looking at an abduction. We don't think the parents are involved here. And they um, constantly were trying to get that message out in the media that the parents aren't involved because there was this really horrible social media commentary that was going on that were were talking about, um, you know, whether the family were were involved and, and looking for, for clues that way. And, and the police were in front of the cameras almost daily, daily saying, the family are helping us with their inquiries. They are not a suspect here. So it was, it was, it would have been such a traumatic um, experience for the family. Four days since she saw her daughter, Ellie Smith's nightmare continues. How I'm feeling is how I never want any, any mother to feel. The family of four had been camping at the remote Blowholes campsite on WA's rugged Midwest coast. About 1.30 on Saturday morning, her parents gave her a drink of water. When they woke about 6am, Cleo wasn't in the tent, her sleeping bag also missing. As we passed the divider, um, like I went into the other room and um, the zipper was open. And Narelle, that's a really interesting point, because if we think back, say, to the case of of Madeleine McCann in 2007 and and her heartbroken parents uh, making that 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 plea to the camera for their child to be returned. Words cannot describe the anguish and despair that we are feeling as the parents of our beautiful daughter, Madeleine. We request that anyone who may have any information related to Madeline's disappearance, no matter how trivial, contact the Portuguese police and help us get her back safely. And the tables turned and people started analysing. We all became kind of, you know, mini psychologists. Uh, you know, are, are, the, are the parents involved? Aren't they? And this happened again in this particular case um, with, with Cleo's parents. But there was also that um, case in September, that really interesting uh, case, a story of Anthony A.J. Elphilak. It's the news we all needed today. Little Anthony, AJ Elphilak, found alive after three freezing nights, lost and alone on his family's property at Putty in the Hunter. Which also made global news, where, where this little boy had, had gone into um, the outback and, and was found drinking water from a creek in his family's property in rural New South Wales. So, I mean, was all of that kind of building up to all the, the publicity surrounding finding Cleo? Certainly there was commentary looking at past cases and definitely people were analysing and, like you say, becoming, um, you know, couch um, psychologists where they were saying, oh, she didn't look sad enough or she wasn't crying when she should have been or she had her arms folded. So there was this speculation over the way they thought the family should have been behaving in front of the cameras when they were making these pleas um, for information. And then there was comparisons being drawn, like you say, to the Madeleine McCann case in in the, in the Portugal and the UK and also to um, Azaria Chamberlain who went missing from a tent Famously in the 80s in the Northern Territory. Azaria Chamberlain died at Uluru, then known as Ayers Rock, on the 17th of August, 1980. The cause of her death 
was as the result of being attacked and taken by a dingo. And in the end, you know, it was discovered that a dingo had taken taken the baby. And that's, you know, such a famous example of a, a child going missing from a tent in Australia. But yes, there was this commentary going on where um, people were sort of trying to make their own conclusions and, and the police were just asking people to stop, just let the investigation happen. And it was an enormous investigation, as you mentioned earlier. More than 140 police officers were assigned to Cleo's case, with 63 working full-time out of uh, Carnarvon. Um, This was absolutely huge, and it dominated headlines, not just in Australia, Narelle, but all across the world. Yeah, so uh, I was filing for The Guardian on this story and those stories were being picked up uh, by the UK papers. I was asked to speak on London radio. It certainly seemed to be um, a story that captured the world's attention. Was there a sense that, you know, gosh, time is running out here? Definitely. As time went on, uh, there were uh, fears that, you know, Cleo would not be found or it wouldn't be a great outcome if she were. From very early on, police, um, the detective superintendent, Rod Wilde, was was saying, we have grave concerns for Cleo's safety. You know, we're not giving up hope. There was always this message of hope, but there were, you know, the messaging was that we have grave concerns. You know, it looks like um, she has been taken was the other thing. So there was this kind of um, mystery and and speculation again over how the parents were asleep in the tent with those children, how someone managed to unzip the tent and remove a child in its sleeping bag without waking up her parents. There was, you know, there was a lot of talk about that. And then all of a sudden, actually, I've seen the clip on national television where, uh, you know, in in the middle of like a, 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 I think it's a breakfast or morning show, Narelle, the presenter suddenly goes, news just in, Cleo's been found. The police have Cleo. And not just that, uh, Cleo is alive and well. Cleo Smith has been found in WA alive. Um Police are just confirming that news in the last few moments. It's just coming into our ear. That is huge news. She's been missing now for about three weeks. Um, we're going to bring you those details as soon as they come. It to was hand. one of the most and remarkable moments that moments. I've ever had when there was this message that came out from police media saying Cleo's been found and found alive and well. And then the police released all this footage, like body cams worn by the officers that were first there, um, you know, picture of Cleo on on a hospital bed, smiling, hair brushed, you know, looking, you know, like nothing had happened to her, holding an an ice lolly, and and this was just one of the most amazing things. There didn't seem to be any great, you know, trauma physically to Cleo. She looked well and smiling and the officers then were in front of the cameras so that was about 4 15 in the morning when when that release came out and by breakfast news the main detectives that were part of this investigation were there just talking about 
these incredible stories where they had bashed down the door of this house um, in Carnarvon. Um, one of the guys jumped in in front of me and, um, and picked her up and, and I, you know, I just wanted to be absolutely sure that, um, you know, it certainly looked like Cleo. Um, I wanted to be absolutely sure it was her, so I said, what's your name? And she didn't answer and I said, what's your name? <laughs> um, she didn't answer again, so I asked her a third time and then she looked at, and looked at me and she said, my name's Cleo. And, and there Cleo was in a, in a bedroom playing with toys. And the, the, one of the main, and I think one of the most powerful um, parts of this, this story was when the detective just that found her described how he said, you know, what is your name? He wanted to be sure that this child that they had found was the one they were looking for. And he had to say, it, what, what is your name? What is your name? And she said, my name is Cleo. And then that was all you saw. On, on the news media, in the social media, Twitter was just a buzz with, my name is Cleo. It was quite, quite an incredible story. For 18 days, the parents were desperate to find their daughter. It must have been a living hell. It's every parent's worst nightmare. You know, your child goes missing for half an hour and, and it's just the most memorable thing. So these were 18 long days that, that this child was away from her family and, and was seemingly um, in, a, in a house. At, at the time when she was found, she was on her own in the house. The light was on, but the, um, the person accused of, of, of the abduction or the person that's been charged with her um, abduction was, was found, you know, not in the house, was arrested down the street so yeah this child was 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 alone it was it's it's quite incredible that she came out looking so so fine Yesterday, 36-year-old Carnarvon local Terence Darrell Kelly appeared briefly in court. He's been charged with forcibly taking a child under 16 and another charge. The town of Carnarvon is still coming to terms with the emotion and the trauma of the past three weeks. Narelle, have police said what exactly brought them to the location where Cleo was found, the home of Terence Kelly? Police have been quite tight-lipped on the specific piece of information that led them to find the home that Cleo was in. What they have said is that it was lots of different pieces of information. Or, or So somebody saw a car turning onto the highway uh, around 3am on the night that, or in the early hours of the morning when, when Cleo went missing. Somebody else at the campsite heard the sound of tyres around that time screeching. So there were these reports of, of a car but no descriptions and, and police were calling for dash cam footage from anyone in the area, from local businesses, those on the highway. And then um, they also gained uh, data from the local telecommunication companies and possibly it was a mixture of those two things, the reports of this car, as well as, as the data showing mobile phone in the area of both the, the blowholes campsite and and in Carnarvon, and that seems to be what possibly led police to to this particular house. But they've never actually said for sure it was one one thing. And there was interestingly with this one too, there was a million dollar reward issued for 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 anyone that had information that would lead to you know, finding of Cleo. And they're saying, look, it wasn't just any one thing, so it's not likely that anyone would be able to claim that reward. 
Terence Darrell Kelly, a 36-year-old Indigenous Australian, he has been charged and when he appeared in court, we were hearing some reports of, you know, that during his appearance, um, you know, he wasn't terribly happy with media being there. What do we know about this man? So 36-year-old Terence Kelly was was taken in for questioning and uh, two days later was charged with with one count of forcibly taking a child under 16. And there's one other charge which uh, police have, have, haven't issued details on yet. He appeared in the magistrate's court in Carnarvon and he turned at one point and swearing, said, what are the media doing here? And at one point, looking at the gallery, said, wipe that smile off your face. So he was quite hostile to the media within that the courtroom. And then the following day was walked to a plane to be flown to Perth. And it was quite a shocking image of this man. He was barefoot and he was surrounded by police. I think there was four officers that were on that plane. And now he's in a uh, high security prison in Perth, like I say, 10 hours drive south of, of where Cleo was taken. And he, um, he'll he appear in court next, um, early December, I think December 6 was the date. Narelle, um, what is happening now with the Smith family? I mean, obviously, they're delighted, you know, that, that Cleo is, is home safe and well. But is there a sense now that this uh, this is a story that will grow and grow? What's happening there in Australia? Well, it's an interesting one because this is a community that um, were traumatised themselves by the thought that one of their own had been stolen in the middle of the night from a tent at their local, you know, camping ground. This was shocking news. And and, and from what I'm told, the community were under a dark cloud as, as the search went on for Cleo. And you couldn't move for stickers and signs, you know, lost child and find Cleo. So um, they then banded together. And I think this is a community that has a really diverse profile. So there's I think 16% are Aboriginals. You've got Vietnamese living there. You've got Islanders living there. And and from all accounts, there has been racial tensions in that town in the past, but this brought the town together. And of course, Narelle, uh, finally, we still have to hear from Cleo what happened. That's right. So there's been specialist investigators brought in to interview Cleo. This is a four-year-old child and her testimony or her recollection of events is, is so vitally important to the police case. So it's, it, I guess it's a delicate situation that's going on at the moment where police need to put together a, a case, you know, to, to bring justice. And, and so I, I guess Cleo's story is, is, still, is still being, you know, investigated by those, those detectives that are working on this. Um, she is appearing in photographs whereby the media have been camped outside her house. So there's photographs of, of the Premier, Mark McGowan, the State Premier, going there to see her and then her coming out with her family, being held by mum, being taken off to the police station. So we're seeing Cleo and we're seeing Ali and Jake, um, but yeah, we're just not hearing that voices yet. 
I think at the moment uh, there's a sense that the, the, the town and the family, once the, the police move on, need time to heal. This has been such a such a traumatic event for everybody and, and there's a lot of commentary around giving Cleo and Ali and Jake and space space on this. And that was Narelle Towie, an Australian journalist. I'm Siobhan Maguire, and today's episode was presented and produced by myself, recorded by Gavin Hennessy, research by Tabitha Monaghan, with sound design by John Smith. Archive clips from independent.ie, Australia's ABC and Nine News and ITV News. You can listen to the Indo Daily wherever you get your podcasts.